0: Back again, another week, week episode five. That's right. Pretty pretty excited, man. So, uh, once again, this is the Fan Section Podcast. I'm Alan, that's Tyson. Uh, We are up on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, uh, Ghana. Never heard of that one before, but we're actually, I mean, everything's live, everything's awesome. Thank you so much for all the people that have listened. We have a listener in India, found that out. Nice. Pretty awesome. Don't have any reviews yet, so um alan j- killing it on the upload no man just getting lucky on it honestly so uh we want to welcome you to another episode of the fan section brought to you by fans for fans across the college landscape from section 100 to section 300 bleachers to suites we welcome everybody uh again i'm your host alan and that's my co-host tyson just two dudes talking college dropping knowledge before we start we want to take the time to ask you to like subscribe and leave us a five-star review we promise to read it on air also to go over our to our twitter handle the fan section, and if you want to get in that mailbag, send us your questions at the fan section one at gmail.com. Big week, Co- covered uh, conferences last week. Um, really, as far as the conference like that I want to cover this week, we're going to keep the, the same thing big, small, you know what I mean? But what I want to do, we're going to add one, right? We talked about doing the Sun Belt. Um, I'm pretty excited for the Sun Belt, not going to yeah. lie. I think there's a, lot of, there's a lot of really good, solid talent, solid players you can find in some of those smaller like the conferences. Um, and really, with the whole conference realignment and stuff like that, you just wonder how many more of these conferences, like the Sun Belt, are going to be affected as far as like maybe getting those, not really, it's going to sound disrespectful, but it's not, those watered down players. You know what I mean? Like, some of those three and four star guys that do transfer from say like a Michigan state or a Texas A&M um, because they know that if those schools are going to a bigger cot like power conference, they're not really going to be able to play. So I think that covering these conferences is kind of a good thing today, especially with the outlook in the future, maybe mm-hmm. moving forward that the competitions might, might get a little bit, I mean, might get better. You know what I mean? So I don't know what your thoughts on that are at all. Um, Really about the Sun Belt and the American, honestly. I think that there's some good
1: product. I really do. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the American has been, uh, the American Athletic Conference has been uh, solid for several years right. now. Programs mm-hmm. like Houston, South mm-hmm. Florida, we've seen them in the top 15, top 25. Mm-hmm. More recently, Central Florida, again, still claims that they won the national <laughs> title four or five years ago. Right. Um you know, and Cincinnati now is yeah. just a, a stallion. Also Memphis. I mean, there's a good mm-hmm. five, six teams in the American that are that are solid, solid teams and yeah. have good recruiting. You've told me. I mean, yeah. they recruit at a, a decent level. They beat a lot of power five teams they recruiting. They
0: do, or they take them to the brink, like Cincinnati we saw last year taking my dogs. I mean, if, if it wasn't for a last-second field goal, Cincinnati beats Georgia, and that's, that, right. that's a big staple win for that yeah. conference. So. And now
1: the Sun Belt, you know, you have a couple of teams that have – Uh, That had breakout seasons last year. Now, the one consistent is Appalachian State. They've had consistent uh, seasons for a couple years. But, you know, now we have the emergence of Coastal Carolina and Louisiana, the artist formerly known as Louisiana Lafayette.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, real quick before we get into that, the only real recruiting news is uh, Dion Bouye committed to Texas A&M, adding to their already incredible recruiting class, uh, corner five-star. I think he's rated as the second-best corner corner. but I don't know I don't know if he's going to stay at corner. I think he might actually profile more as a safety. But that's just my opinion, my outlook on it. Texas a m obviously knows more than I do. So does Jimbo Fisher. But Jimbo Fisher's been crushing it ever since getting to the SEC. We'll dive more into that probably in the weeks to come. But really, I just wanted to highlight Bouye. Um, and then we're just going to dive right into it. So I think we're going to start with the Sunbelt Conference. Um, what marquee matchups are they playing?
1: So unfortunately, there's... What we find with the Sun Belt is a ton of very, very weak schedules, mm. which which does, on the other hand, mean you may have a team or two that could finish the season with 10, 11, 12 wins even. Right. Uh, so, but right out of the gate, you've got Louisiana at Texas. And remember, we wow. talked before about uh, how last year, Louisiana went to uh, Ames, Iowa, mm. and beat Iowa State on their home turf. Yeah. Uh, another Another game that week that will be a little bit of a litmus test of how the conference as a whole is going to do mm. is Army and Georgia State. Those those are two teams that are about the same talent level, about the same capability. Yeah. If, if Georgia State and some of those mid-level uh, Belt Conference teams can win those mm. games, it's, it's going to do a lot to bolster the conference. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: so my thinking would be like uh, definitely Georgia State is a team that I want to highlight a little bit later on as we get into the – who's coming back mainly because there's a running back that i really like on that team Mm -hmm. um and also they have a a a young he's a sophomore he's a quarterback uh brown but he he started as a true freshman in in the couple i think the handful of games that they were able to play last year and did did pretty well i'm not saying he's like the next jt Daniels or malik willis but i'm saying the kid has a lot of talent for the sun belt and that's is being one of the best players in that conference, you could potentially be a top pick. You know what I mean? Like you just – we see a case example, Josh Allen from Wyoming. Yep. You know what I mean? So uh, further moving in, though, do you want to dive into, like, how the media has them set up and yeah. versus – Yeah, no, F- absolutely. I okay. was just
1: going to say just two more quick games to yeah. keep your eye on. Okay. Uh, on uh, the 11th of September, Appalachian State at Miami. Oh, wow. That – the, the numbers say that's going to be a pretty considerable beatdown, but Appalachian State has beaten big teams before. They have, they have. Uh, so that would be big for the conference. And then you mentioned Malik Willis. Mm. The On uh, November 20th, Louisiana plays at Liberty. Mm. So that would okay. be an interesting one to watch. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, the media
0: has uh, Coastal Carolina, Appalachian State, Georgia State as the top three teams in the East. The West is Louisiana, Arkansas State, and South Alabama in the West. Um, as far as what we have, we have Coastal Carolina running the table again. They were really good last year. Uh, they beat BYU, right? That game, wasn't that, correct me where I'm wrong, BYU scheduled that game last second because yep. they thought they wanted to get into the, or they wanted to boost their chances. Yeah. And wasn't Coastal Carolina ranked like eighth or something? Coastal or Carolina, nine?
1: yeah, so they were both top 15. Yeah. Coastal Carolina had an opponent, if I remember correctly, scheduled that week. And then because of COVID, they had to cancel. And the same thing happened with BYU. Oh, okay. And so the two programs got together, and they said, you know, let's make this happen. It yeah. was, you know, you hear all the time, coaches, it's a it's a trope that, you know, well, we schedule these games years and years out. Well, BYU and Coastal Carolina scheduled a game mid-season yeah. in, like, five days. Yeah, it's
0: kind of frustrating when you see, like, for, you know, a team, it's like a Bama versus, you know, Oregon in 2027. Mm-hmm. It's like, why don't you just drop the whoever Mercy, you have? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. like... Just pay them what you were going to pay them and say, hey, man, sorry for your troubles. Thanks. We're going to schedule somebody else. Well, they
1: got to have that SEC week.
0: Yeah, they totally did. (laughs) It's the first and then the last week, right? Um, And then, so, yeah, we have Coastal Carolina, like I said, winning the East pretty handily. Um, Appalachian State coming in second. And then Georgia Southern uh, at third. A team to keep your eye on that we actually have, based on the numbers, is five and seven. And we were talking about how they're kind of in the middle of the road is Georgia State. But this is a team that could separate themselves. Also, the West we have Louisiana going eleven and one, Arkansas State uh, five and seven, and South Alabama at six and six. And the reason why South Alabama we know that the five and seven is not six and six, but the reason why is because we have Arkansas State winning four conference games, South Alabama winning three.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Georgia State you're going to highlight them a little bit. They have yeah. they do have talent. Yeah, the, the unfortunate thing is they have they have one of the more difficult schedules Absolutely. in the conference. Absolutely. And so that's just going to be difficult for them. Absolutely. But, um,
0: um, as far as the players of the year go, uh, just some players to highlight that we, like we said, this show, we like highlighting everything. We like talking about college football and the entire landscape of it. Uh, Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina um, is coming back with 24, uh, 2,400 yards, 26 TDs, uh, only three interceptions, so that's a really good ratio. Not sure as far as him getting any any like draft buzz, really. Um, that's something I'd like to see him... Kind of, I'm sure he's going to emerge as the season goes on. You might actually hear a little bit about him. Um, and then the other quarterback that we highlighted was Levi Lewis from Louisiana. Um, the 2,200 yards coming back, 19 TDs to seven INTs. It was, I think, those INTs. Some of them might be in a lot, like you know, here and there, like maybe a tip pass, whatever, at the line of scrimmage. Um, the kid does have a lot of talent, but his his uh, his running back, as I think, is a new one. Will he struggle to pick up blitz packages and stuff like that? You kind of wonder, is him being a sophomore, is he big enough yet? Um, but they do have a very strong defense. So mm-hmm. that's why we highlighted Levi, because obviously defense wins championships. They give you the lead. They play, they keep the lead, mm-hmm. and you're able to keep going the ball down the field.
1: Yeah, well, and again, remember, uh, Louisiana returns 21 of 22 starters. Absolutely. They, they return the most production of any team in college football. So they should be stacked. Yeah. Well, right? and both these quarterbacks are very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say they are – the comp I would give is similar to maybe like a Jalen Hurts where they have the ability mm. to be mobile and to pick up yards. Both of them rushed for over 300 yards last year. Oh, wow. And, you know, five or more touchdowns. But McCall's a little bit better, more accurate passer. Yeah. Uh, but they, they both have passing capabilities.
0: Absolutely. So. Um, and then as far as defensive player of the year, Carlton Marshall from Troy, uh, 26 tackles, 10 sacks. Uh, they also return the, the second-rated defensive line in the conference. So when you have big bodies like that eating up blocks, it really helps your linebackers behind you because their job is to read and react, right? You're not worried about the guard pulling. You're not – in being able to actually get to you on that on that readout or that toss-out. You're able to come downhill really fast. And we also have um, – the one that we all really, really, really wanted to highlight was Derek Cantine from Georgia Southern. The kid is for a corner. These are stats for a corner. Forty eight tackles, six yes. INTs, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery, and one defensive return touchdown. Right. That how is that not if that was Patrick Sertan, mm-hmm. that's a first round pick. It's so, actually yeah. Like those numbers mm-hmm. are really, really good for a corner at the collegiate level. Mm-hmm. So hopefully this kid gets gets a little bit of notice. And like I said, we're kinda we're highlighting him because he's, in my opinion, probably the best corner in this in this conference. Oh, in the conference, for
1: sure. For yeah, sure. Yeah. And I would say he's he, you know, uh, Derek Stingley, uh, mm. we'll talk about the SEC later, is is an outstanding uh, product. He's, yeah. I mean, you were telling me he's probably going one or two oh, overall for sure. in the draft. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but I, I don't know if the drop-off from him to Derek Cantina is all that great. The, I mean, the only question is the cops, right, is is they have a weaker schedule. This is so, the conference. Yeah.
0: But, I mean, it, it, I think for a corner, and real quick on this tangent, like, as a corner, you can cover or you can't. But you want to see them being able to come up and play the run, and it sounds like this kid can yeah. really do it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And based on his stats as well, he can. I've seen him hit, and he lays the wood on some people. So I think it's just the conference. It's the conference bias, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It, it is what it is, unfortunately. And if you're a, if you're a Georgia Southern fan, you you know about this kid. But we're introducing him to the rest of the world.
1: Mm-hmm. So um, they return nine upperclassmen mm-hmm. on defense uh, at Georgia Southern. So they they return a lot of production as well. Yeah.
0: Um, So let's get right into the actual individual teams. So we talked about Appalachian State a little bit earlier, uh, how they've been able to beat big teams, right? The most notable memory is the one where they went into Michigan and they stomped them. Like, it wasn't even – the first half I don't think was close. Like, usually, like, a team like that will be like, okay, like – you shocked us, but we have more talent. We're going to come out, and we're mm-hmm. going to just beat the brakes off you. No, Appalachian State was like, not today. But that was, I think, the win that got them into the uh, Division One level. Yeah. Or they were trending toward it at that point because they were an FCS school, I believe, at that time. Yep, that's right. So, uh, as far as the returning production, the most of it's on the defense, uh, just under eighty or just under ninety percent, and then their def- or their offense is coming in just under seventy percent. So the strength of this is probably going to be as far as the talent will definitely be on the defensive side of the ball. But Cameron Peoples, Bear Hunter, Cooper Hodges are three of the notables that we wanted to highlight that were all Sunbelt first-team players, and um, that was two of them were O-linemen and, and Peoples, obviously, the halfback you hear about. And then Demetrius Taylor, DeMarco Jackson, and Sean Jolly are coming back, leading that that very talented defense that's coming back. And as far as defensive rankings, uh, we have them coming back as number one in the Sunbelt.
1: Yeah, they have a strong defense, uh, new quarterback, a mm-hmm. little bit of turnover on offense. Year two for head coach Sean Clark, um number four strength of schedule in the conference. They have that early matchup we talked about uh, at Miami, which will be interesting. They get Louisiana on the road mm-hmm. and Georgia State on the road. Oh wow.
0: And then next we have Arkansas State, which is a coach in their first year. So usually in a coach in the first year, new system, new new everything, honestly. You're not really expecting much from them. We I don't think we are either. Um, as far as what they have coming back, another another team with a really strong defense coming back. Um, Lane Hatcher, who's a junior transfer from uh, from Bama, and then uh, Jeff Foreman is their is their red receiver. Marcel Murray is their halfback, and then Ivory Scott. So those could be impact players that are going to be starting for sure. But in a new system, new scheme, it's just one of those things where does the system fit that quarterback? Does the system fit the receivers? And the, are they all on the same page? Um, it's something to definitely worry about, especially with a really kind of a tough schedule for their first year as a head coach.
1: Yeah, this is uh, a this is a rebuild for sure. Butch Jones has bounced around, uh, coached at North Carolina before Mac Brown. He, I mean, this is a, a straight up rebuild, and will be difficult for him. Yeah. But do um, you remember when Alabama three years ago was recruiting Lane Hatcher? It's going to be interesting to see because he's pretty much going to walk in and be the most talented player on the team by far. So they got a brand new head coach and the quarterback walks in as the most talented player on the team. Week two, you got Memphis uh, at home and then week three at Washington. So we're going to know pretty quickly uh, what the the status of this program is. Just two years ago, they went eight and five. So they, you know,
0: they're they're not terrible. Yeah, they're not bad, you know, by any stretch. But and then moving on, Coastal Carolina, uh, Jamie Chadwell is their coach, uh, returning a ton of talent on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but this was a team that was ranked in the top ten last year, so there's going to be talent all over the board, and a lot of them are coming back because and some of them I think are on that like, COVID extension year, so they're like super seniors or super duper seniors, as you want to say. Mm-hmm, yep. uh, led by the quarterback, Race McCall, we kind of already highlighted a little bit about him as far as. Um, the definitely top player, or possibly top player in the in the conference, and then but their strength of schedule is very weak. So this is why we have them kind of going undefeated in the conference. That's right, yeah. um, it's mainly just because of their strength of schedule, but not not to take away from them being also a very good team. So it's basically just men among boys in this conference. These guys have played together for a very long time. The chemistry, don't let that fool you. And all their pretty much all their defensive starters are coming back. So.
1: Yeah, it, you talk about their strength of schedule. Their are two toughest games on the season, week three at Buffalo mm. and week seven at Appalachian State. Wow. Okay, so, well, the Appalachian State game, like we talked about earlier, will be definitely are, a good... Those will both be close games, but yeah. they're not playing a Miami or no. a Washington. Or a, they have a very, very, very weak schedule. Uh, look for them to probably go undefeated. Yeah. Um, also, one of, the, one of the better sort of sneaky good tight ends in the country, Isaiah Likely. Yeah
0: um but Georgia Southern is next uh, with Chad Lunsford is coming into his eighth year um as far as production there's not really a lot that comes back uh they did lose a lot of their their two more talented players on offense for sure just coming on under 40 or under 50 percent um they do have Derek Cantine who's coming back um, and then we want to highlight Anthony Beck, which is a punter, which is a really good weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about that in, in depth before. J.D. King, Aaron Dewell, and then Caleb Hood as well. So as far as this, their strength of schedule is, is pretty tough, ranked at fifth. I don't really foresee them I, – I think they might struggle to honestly get a bowl game. You know what I mean? I, just because of the, just the talent coming in. Unless right. they're able to really develop these, some of these young players that we haven't heard of
1: yet. Yeah, they they really – Loss a lot yeah. on offense. And I, I didn't realize that Chad Lunsford had been there for eight years. That's a long time. They, they've been really hovering around. 2019, they went seven and six. Last year, eight and five. They've been really hovering around kind of just above medioc- mediocrity for, for years and years now. Mm. Um, so I don't know if he uh, he has some state secrets on somebody down here or <laughs> necessarily how he's keeping his job. Yeah. But, um, it also
0: yeah. might be one of those things where it's like maybe just the team, the school knows what it is and they just want to be mm-hmm. competitive and maybe he's he's brought that to them. So like, yeah. I mean, not everybody can be a Nick Saban, you right. know, undefeated every year. So moving on, Georgia State and the team that we're going to dive a little bit deeper into as far as the players coming back. They're a lot. Their talent's definitely on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Sean Elliott comes into his fifth year. Uh, Destin Coates is a player that I really like a lot. He's on the actual final, he's uh, not the finalist yet. Um, but with, he's not Brees Hall. No, Doak but Walker, he's, he's on the Doak Walker watch list. And he's also on the Maxwell watch list, which I think is really cool that a Sunbelt player is actually on the Maxwell. Um, also they have Sam pick, uh, Sam Pickney, and they have Noel Noel Ruiz. Sorry. Uh, the kicker coming back as well, but their strength of schedule is the hardest. So, this is a team we talked about, and I, I want to pause, like, going to the other teams real quick. If this team can emerge, say, like, the first – because I know they have North Carolina in week two, and then they play Auburn week four. So that that's kind of what gives them the strength of schedule as being the hardest. If they're able to – I'm not expecting them to beat North Carolina. I'm really not. Um, unless, like, Sam, you catch Sam Hall on a really bad day. But – if this is a team that can, say, make it really competitive and make it like, you know, we're down by, you know, 10 at halftime or we're down by four at halftime or whatever, I think that's a really good sign moving forward to the conference schedule because conference obviously is where these guys want to shine. And I feel like the there's a couple teams that can go either way outside of Coastal Carolina, right? And maybe Memphis, but Georgia State is one of those teams I want to put in the mix as far as being able to have a couple lucky wins go their way They're, They suddenly have eight wins on the season. Hey, guys, we're right in the mix of this.
1: I, I mean, it's yeah. more, it's tough. I don't, I don't see. It. I just <laughs> run through the schedule like you said. Week yeah. two at North Carolina, week four at Auburn. Yeah. Then you have week five Appalachian State at home, and then in the last four weeks of the season, you're at Louisiana and you're at Coastal Carolina. Mm. I mean, that, that's. It's
0: I don't a tough see them stretch. winning
1: any of those games. Yeah. So that's five okay. losses already okay. right there. But you're right. But the question is, you're right. They they do have quite a bit of talent. Yeah. Destin Coates is an outstanding running back. Mm. And uh, you know, and the and the defense is, you know, is better than it was last year. Yeah. So it's not great, but it's better than it was last year. So you know, hey, we've seen stranger things, right? Yeah. Coastal Carolina went eleven and one last year. The in twenty nineteen they went five and seven. Okay? Yeah. So so maybe this is the next Coastal Carolina. We'll, maybe. We'll see. Yeah. One can hope. Uh, no, moving on, Louisiana head coach Billy Napier is
0: a year coming into year four. Uh, Cyrus Terence, Braylon Train, and Rise Burns are some are on the all Sunbelt first team list uh, that we highlighted here. Their strength of schedule is pretty favorable for them. Um, this they're just a very good team, very solid all around team. Uh, returning pretty much everybody on offense and defense. They have a very very good. Um, I think actually I think Cyrus is going to get some some second third round grades. Oh, um, as, a, as a as a I believe he's a. Tackle, but I'm not sure as far as um, if he start. I think he came in as a guard and he was moved out. So, um, well, and they
1: move him sometimes when they draft. Him they too. do,
0: yeah. But I, I think he's projected as as probably a solid right tackle. I mean, he might move to guard. Um, he's a pretty big boy as far as, but he's got really good feet. So, um, the strength of schedule, though, uh, it's it's very favorable for them to mm. actually, you know, not not necessarily undefeated, but maybe one or two
1: losses. You know, you can't you can't hold that against them. I mentioned a couple podcasts ago in some of the games we were looking forward to. Uh, week one, and mentioned right at the top of this, week one at Texas. Mm. Okay, year one for Steve Sarkisian mm-hmm. down in Austin. Uh, they have a new quarterback, so uh, Ellinger's gone. Um, they, I think, I think they've got a puncher's chance in that game. Like yeah. you said, uh, you know, they return ninety-three percent offensive production yeah, and ninety-eight percent on defense. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, also one other thing to keep an eye on. Uh, Chris Smith, n- nice little weapon on offense. Sort of move him around. You may see him in the backfield. May see him at wide receiver. He uh, and and the the running ability of Levi Lewis, they, they could they could make some noise. Yeah. Uh, we have them projected at eleven and one, with the one loss being to Texas Week One. And Texas does struggle against running quarterbacks. Um, moving on to Louisiana
0: Monroe, Terry Bowden is in his first year, uh, and here for these guys, not returning really too much as far as talent coming back. Why? Um, they didn't, they went 0 and 10 in 2020. They're just kind of in a rebuild year. Another team that like, we're not really expecting much from, especially with their strength of schedule being the second hardest.
1: Um,
0: it's could be a potentially really bad year for a coach in his first year. It's going to be tough.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Quarterback Rhett Rodriguez transferred in from Arizona. Mm -hmm. So let me just – we talked about the uh, Pac-12 not too long ago. If you want to know what bad shape the Arizona program's in, Mm -hmm. their quarterback transferred to Louisiana Monroe. He (laughs) would rather play there. Another interesting thing, that's actually – you remember uh, former Michigan and West Virginia football coach Rich Rodriguez. That's his son. Oh, okay. Wow. And so – uh, yeah, really, really tough. They yeah. don't return a lot of production. There's not a lot of uh, of consistency and cohesion. Mm. You mentioned second toughest schedule in the conference. Uh, and, I mean, we have them projected to go 0-12. It's yeah. going to be a tough, tough kind of clearinghouse, build culture, rebuild yeah. for Terry Bowden um, in year one.
0: Yeah. Unfortunate. And then uh, South Alabama, head coach Kane Womack coming into his first year. There's been a lot of coaching turnover in the Sunbelt. Yeah, but weird. they just want to be, I think, I think it's good for them to, you know, establish different cultures and stuff like that. That's why I think it's really confusing the Georgia State coach is still kind of there. Um, as yeah. far as yeah. the Jalen Tolbert is the off Sun Belt first team, they're starting the schedule very favorable. Uh, if you're a first-year head coach, you have the eighth easiest. So or, Sorry, eighth, yeah, eighth easiest schedule. So not hard at all. Um, as far as the impact players, though, Keith Galman is someone we want to keep an eye on, and Jake Bentley, who transferred in from South Carolina, and then uh, Nick Mobley, um, and then their offense is definitely the strength of the team, returning just under 80% as far as their production value goes.
1: Yep, uh, pretty uh, pretty easy schedule. They just they just don't have a ton of talent. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be a kind of a consistent theme going through the conferences we previewed today, and that's... Transfers a lot of activity in these conferences in the transfer portal. You mentioned Jake Bentley. He was quarterback in South Carolina. He was a four-star when he was recruited. He never really uh, realized any great potential. Uh, South Alabama's a team to keep your eye on. They could they could surprise some people. We've got them going six and six though.
0: And then moving on here, we have Texas State. Uh, so returning eighty-two percent of their offensive production. Uh, Strength of schedule is just slightly easier than the last team we mentioned, as far as the impact players coming back. Uh, Marcel Barbie and Dalton Cooper, or, and then Brady McBride. But Brady McBride's a very young young player. Um, he's definitely he's a sophomore. Um, definitely got a tall task to take that offense coming back with so much return talent-wise, um, and and kind of take the reins of that officially as it's his, you know. Uh, I like to see young quarterbacks come in, and and you get to see what they're really made of. Um, and then Jake's Jake head coach Jake Spavodol
1: is coming into his third year. Yeah, they they have quite a bit of production coming back. The the talent isn't quite there, and the unfortunate thing, even though they have what is kind of classified as a, an easier schedule, mm-hmm. the the fifty fifty kind of toss up games they play all on the road. Yeah. So they've got Eastern Michigan on the road. We have them losing that Florida international on the road. Mm. We have them losing that start off the season with Baylor actually at home oh. at Texas state. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of games. They're playing at Georgia state. How do they pull that at Arkansas state on the road? The Baylor program has <laughs> hit a little bit of a slide. Yeah, but that's weird. I've never seen, uh, usually it's the school going
0: know. cause they're getting money for mm-hmm. it. That's, Good for Texas State, yeah. right? Well, so we haven't going
1: three and nine. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, moving on here, Troy, a head coach, Chip Lindsey, coming into his third year. uh All Sun Belt first team is Austin Stidham, Will Colo, and Carl, uh, Carlton Marshall. We we did highlight him a little earlier in the show. as possibly a uh, contender for the defensive player of the year in, in the Sun Belt Conference. And then you have Gunnar Watson, who's a sophomore. The offense is definitely young, uh, but the defense is clearly the strength of the team. Can this defense do enough to put the offense in really good positions is, is I think, what it will come down to between, you know, just under maybe like a six win, you know, bowl win or, or, or maybe a four win team. So,
1: yeah, inexperience on the offense, you, you hit on it, especially when you have an inexperienced quarterback, you'd like to at least have. Seniors on the offensive line and, a, and an experienced backfield. They're kind of inexperienced uh, at most positions on the offense. Yeah. The defense will be strong. You mentioned Will Kolo. He is uh, sort of a dark horse contender as well for mm-hmm. defensive player of the year in the conference. Uh, we have them going 3-9, and nine though. Mm-hmm.
0: As far as moving on, though, before we hit the AAC, I think that Obviously, we we know that the teams that are getting the most love is Memphis and Cincinnati, right? Well, it's for a good reason. We are going to highlight them. I'm going to highlight Memphis mainly um, because I really like Memphis, and I think that, that 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 can be a team that actually shocks people. But I know that a lot of – we said in the first, we're not the typical media podcast, right? We're not going to highlight and hit these. But the really, outside of Memphis and Cincy, that's the there's a reason why we're going to hit these teams, and you're going to see here in a little bit. They have a very good chance to – make noise for this conference in the expanded playoffs. And, and and that's my personal opinion, especially based on Cincinnati and UCF, right? Um, Memphis is a te- sneaky team. Um, it wasn't too long ago that South Florida even was, I think they were an undefeated team as well. So there's a lot of really good talent in this conference that is headlined by Cincinnati and Memphis, Um so moving on to the actual schedule for Cincinnati, um, they they play Indiana week three, and then they play Notre Dame week five after a bye week. So they kind of get a little bit of rest after what I'm going to think is going to be a pretty, pretty smash-mouth tile game. Can Desmond Ritter um, do enough to beat both of those teams? And then uh, they kind of have a bye week with Temple, and then they take on UCF. So that's where we're going to find out who this Cincinnati team really is. If they're able to go you know, 4-0 and on that stretch, this team has a very good argument to be in the college football playoff, maybe even potentially this year, you know, because they're oh. beating, because they're beating Notre Dame. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's, well, I I mean, think Indiana. Stre- and Indiana is yeah. absolutely. So I don't think that's a stretch uh, uh, at all. And I think if you're, if you're a fan of the American conference, you're rooting for Cincinnati to go undefeated.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: And, and not just like, They win by three points against – you know, you want them to blow out Indiana. You want them to beat Notre Dame by 14, and that'll just – and that'll be the first, I think, at-large team in the
1: playoff that we've had during the playoff era, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I think that there's no question. I mean, first of all, Cincinnati starts the season in the top 15 in the rankings. Right. So that really helps out a lot. But, yeah, with Indiana and Notre Dame both on the road, I mean, I I don't think there's any question. If if Cincinnati goes undefeated, they – belong in the playoff. Absolutely. They they do. Uh, A couple other games just to keep an eye on for kind of a litmus test of how the conference is going to do. Week one, uh, UCF gets Boise State at home. So that's kind of a big, uh, you know, king of the American against king of the Mountain West matchup. That one's a fun one. A little off the board. We've got in week four, Memphis play, uh, play host uh, University of Texas, San Antonio.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, again, this is one of the... We the talked game. about San Antonio a while ago. Mm-hmm. Like that, I yeah. told you that, yeah. Well, they got this kid, Sincere McCormick. They got a, a, an upperclassman offensive line. Running back, Sincere McCormick, rushed for more yards than any other runner in the country other than Brees Hall. Really? And so, um, you know, I, I think they're a sneaky good team. Yeah. So that'll be an interesting matchup. And then also week four, you got SMU uh, at TCU.
0: And so, SMU is one of those, like a team that's kind of on the rise again oh, yeah. right like yeah. that's a, so this conference is kind of i'm not going to say they're a power 5 conference by any means but they are very they're, they're the very, next
1: closest thing. i said they're a very good tier 2 conference right I, like they I, have a you lot know me really i'm pac 12 guy cuz i'm yeah. a CU fan yeah. american i think is right on our heels for sure there's you no think? there's no oh yeah there's yeah. no problem. i mean when you talk about cincinnati ucf the things houston has done mm-hmm. memphis the things south florida has done mm-hmm. smu uh just what two years ago Tulsa won like ten games. I mean they've yeah. got a ton of really, really good uh teams. And then obviously <clears throat> on you know uh week whatever fifteen that is, mm-hmm. you have the traditional Navy Army game.
0: Yeah, which is
1: well in my opinion, one of the greatest games
0: in all of sports. So uh so the conference prediction has UCF, this is the media's uh the polling has UCF uh one Cincinnati two, Memphis three. And then I do want to highlight that we did talk a little bit about Houston and SMU. SMU comes in fourth, and Houston does take seventh in that media poll that they have. Um, and then for what we have is uh, we have Cincinnati coming in at ten and two, UCF coming in at ten and two, but losing two looks like Cincinnati yep. in conference play, and then Memphis going six and two, so they'll finish third. SMU right on their heels at five and three. And then Houston at six and six. And outside of but that's one, two, three, four, five. That's six teams in bowl games. That's a lot. Potentially. Right. Seven. We've got seven, seven teams. teams okay, of, yeah. Because the Navy well, I was well. gonna give I was gonna give Navy and Houston kind of that like one can yeah, go five. Yeah. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Like sure. so realistically, you can have six, you know, six teams going into you know bowl yeah. games. I think that's I think that that's yeah, incredible. Likely.
1: You know, I I I just want to go back to the previous uh, Patreon, I could not believe when I saw this. Mm-hmm. The media is predicting UCF ahead of Cincinnati. Did, it's Dylan Gabriel, the, it's only, the transfer, right? I mean, it, it has
0: to be. I, but I the only thing that I can think elsewise is um, Desmond Ritter retired, it, but he didn't. So yeah. I don't really, I really don't, because I think he's the best quarterback in the conference. Yeah. So I don't really know what what they think they know over, you know. I want to know. I want to know why they think that. Um, And you're right. Maybe it is Dylan Gabriel. It's the Dylan Gabriel effect coming in, you know, with over 32 TDs, only four interceptions. Um, It's just one of those things where it's like, I personally don't think he's better than Desmond Ritter because I saw Desmond Ritter play Georgia, and he, he beat Georgia. He really did. Like, you can say what you want about, how since he, I mean, you know, my dogs got lucky. They really did. They, um, because of Desmond Ritter. Like, he was a phenomenal player. And I, it wasn't a fluke game for me. I, I was like, this kid's for real. Like, um, uh, but also he had, he, he did lose. He, I think he had a really good running back that they, they might have lost as well.
1: Um, as far as, well, you know, you know they the, I hear you, and I think it's entirely possible Dylan Gabriel might be a better quarterback than Desmond Ritter. Yeah. I know you don't agree with that, but I think yeah. it might be possible. The, but Cincinnati's defense is way better than, UCF. than UCF's defense. Mm-hmm. And they the defense, I mean, I know when we watched the game, uh, you know, we, we saw Desmond Ritter played well, mm-hmm. uh, but the defense kept them in that game. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, there's only one way that you hang with an SEC team, and that's at least now there've been tectonic shifts right yeah, yeah. and and what we'll see when we preview the SEC next is it's no longer the SEC your grandma and grandpa's SEC yeah. it's no longer Alabama and LSU game in 7 to 3, or yeah. three to nothing. Yeah. right yeah, yeah. okay these are explosive offenses they've gotten a lot weaker on defense in my opinion. Yeah. And so the only way that Cincinnati could hang with them last year is because in my opinion they had a very strong defense. Mm-hmm. So that kind of shocked me. But anyways, you want to dive into the offensive player of the year? Yeah. So the offensive player of the year we as uh, uh, media and and we
0: I think we'll give the edge probably to Lon Gabriel based on like what he has. Um the dark Horses is Desmond Ritter and then U- Ulysses Bentley from SMU. Um, Kid comes in at with just under a thousand rushing yards, eleven TDs, um, can catch the ball pretty well out of the backfield for twenty one receptions on seventy-four yards. He uh he does have a quarterback that transferred um who's got some experience to SMU. So maybe that can help him in that pass game because you run to set up the pass and if you're eight, but you you can only run efficiently if you have a very good pass game usually. So they both definitely complement each other. Um but it's just one of those things where I think Ulysses can, can maybe benefit from a very experienced quarterback in front of him.
1: Yeah, yeah. Shane Bouchelle out. I think they're going to re- rely on the running game more yeah. than they have in the past. Last year and the year before with Shane Bouchel, I, I talked about you know it's not the SEC of your grandma and grandpa. Mm-hmm. This is not your grandma and grandpa's SMU, yeah. uh, or at least it hasn't been the last two years. Mm-hmm. They passed the ball a ton. Mm-hmm. Now, I think this year with a change over quarterback, uh, I, I agree with you, uh, he's an upperclassman, he's going to be strong at quarterback, mm-hmm. but early on at least, they're going to rely on the run a lot, and the other thing for Ulysses Bentley, uh, the fourth, is he is an outstanding uh, receiver out of the backfield, yep. Yep. so so I agree with you, they're, those are three fantastic players to keep our eye on. Absolutely. Uh, and as far as
0: defensive play of the years, uh, Dorian Williams from Tulane with 83 tackles, four and a half sacks. Um, he does have three freshmen D-line coming in in front of him this year, so he's definitely going to be the the captain of that defense when everybody right where they need to be. Um, and then we, we've kind of highlighted Quindell Johnson from Memphis, and there's another player out of Memphis that I want to highlight, their quarterback, who's pretty solid. Um, 81 tackles, three interceptions, and two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery. And then uh, we're talking about Cincinnati's defense. Mayash Sanders with 31 tackles, seven sacks. The kid
1: is a pure edge rusher off the edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Dorian Williams is is pretty much the consensus to win this. Uh, they do have a young uh, defensive line, so theoretically a lot of the tackles are going to get through the line, and he's going to have to clean them up at linebacker. Another first-team all-American uh, Amer- uh, Athletic Conference linebacker in that uh, uh, midfield there is Nick Anderson. Oh, He's yeah. outstanding. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like we talked about with Colorado – having uh, Carson Wells and Nate, Nate Landman, Landman is, that, you know, I, I told you that I thought Nate Landman might not uh, really have a shot at defensive player of the year just because they would kind of be splitting tackles. Yeah. And, um, so traditionally that, that's kind of what you're going to see out of uh, Tulane this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, very strong offense at Memphis. And so – um, Quindell Johnson's the defensive back. I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities for pass breakups, interceptions, uh, downfield tackles, because mm-hmm. the opponent is going to be trying to pass the ball to catch well, up.
0: UCF Cincy, I mean, they like to, well, the vertical offenses for mm-hmm. sure.
1: Yep. So. No, absolutely.
0: And then moving on here. So we'll just dive right on the actual team. So Luke Fickle coming into year four with the Cincinnati Bearcats. Um, we talked about Desmond Ritter as being uh, a player to watch. Josh White, a very underrated tight end, got all uh, AAC first-team nod. Ahmad Gardner also got from the, the, the corner. Um, this team's defense, we have them ranked as the best defense in the conference – Hopefully they can cash the check, you know what I mean, and, and be able to prove us right for sure. Um, but they do have more talent returning on the offensive side of the ball as far as production than their defense. So you wonder if those two things are going to really, really help this team potentially go undefeated.
1: Yeah. Well, we talked about their schedule, mm-hmm. uh, and you mentioned Myjay Sanders, who is outstanding off of the edge, yeah. but also Curtis Brooks in the middle on the defensive line. Yeah. They're they're going to put a ton of pressure on the opposing quarterbacks. Uh, not only are they the top defense in the conference, I, we have them ranked fifth, mm. fifth-rated defense in the country. Okay. Uh, they did lose some production, but they bring in a ton of young talent. Uh, our numbers have them losing that week three at Indiana and losing week four at Notre Dame. Mm. So they go 8-0 in conference, but 10-2, mm. win the American, and yeah. probably finish in the top
0: 25. Well, for sure. I mean, yeah, 10-2, you should be –
1: Maybe even argument for top 15 at that point. You know, Could maybe with, yeah.
0: the, with the strength of schedule. For right. East Carolina Pirates are next. Uh, Coach Mike Houston is coming into his third year. They're returning just under 80% on both sides of the ball as far as offense and defense, but defense is definitely the strength of this team. Um, Colton Allers is definitely a player we want to keep an eye on, and Tyler Snead. Um, John Young, a punter, got all-AC first team, and then Jaquan McMillan. So this is another, another corner. I feel like if you're a scout, these are the kind of – you're you're gonna scout these corners, especially in this conference, because, like I said, Memphis, Cincy, UCF, vertical offenses. Mm-hmm. If you, you you can hold your water against you know some of these top receivers, I feel like you're gonna be a pretty solid pick in the NFL, right? Um, so when we highlight a, a corner or a defensive back from from the uh, AAC, it it goes a long way in showing how talented just you know these guys are as far as covering the ball. Um, their strength of schedule is pretty favorable. But I still don't think this team will probably win more than five games. I really don't. Um, there's just too much talent in the conference that keeps them. I mean, had this team been in the Sun Belt, they'd probably go undefeated. But it's one of those things where I just – there's just too much other talent around them.
1: Yeah, uh, relatively pedestrian offense, and uh, they lost quite a bit of talent on offense. Yeah. The defense is – outside outside of that secondary that you were talking about and Jaquan McMillan, the defense is – is pretty porous, and it, I mean, to your point, the teams that are going to be passing on them, you you can isolate as an offense, you can isolate and remove a corner yeah. much more than you can a linebacker Absolutely. or a defensive lineman. You just pass to the other side, of the right? Field.
0: Especially you if the other side, of, yeah, you know especially I mean? if the other side of the field doesn't have a player like McMillan. Yeah, you know
1: the other, other young 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 players in the secondary on the other side of the field. So our numbers have them going four and eight. Yeah, uh, Houston Cougars
0: is next. Uh, Dan Holgerson coming into his third year. Their defense lost some production; it really did. Coming in just under at sixty, just on above sixty percent. As far as their strength of schedule, though, it's very favorable for them to kind of make a comeback and teach some of those inexperienced guys how to actually play defense the, the Houston Cougar way. Um, all AAC second team is Logan Hall, Derek Parrish, Marcus Jones. Um, so Hall and Parrish are on the D-line, and then Jones is uh, the, 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 the in the secondary with them. And then keep an eye out for Clayton Toon coming into, a, a, I think it's his second year as, as the quarterback. So um, should be able to put up some pretty solid numbers, especially Houston if they have a defensive front like that. You're going to get a lot of opportunities to to play with the
1: lead for sure. Yeah, Clayton Toon is projected as one of the better quarterbacks in the conference, mm-hmm. um, and so it's going to be interesting to see if he can carry this young offense. the the de- The defense is uh, kind of pedestrian, but that's that's kind of how Houston has always done it. Even, you know, you remember when D. R. King was there; it's it's all about explosive offense. Yep. And, just enough defense. We, you know, we talked several podcasts ago about coaches on the hot seat. I will yeah. tell you right now, Dana Holgerson is getting onto the hot seat. Four and eight in twenty nineteen last year. Three and five hmm. this year. A little bit, a little bit of improvement, but we haven't going six and six. Week one, they get Texas Tech at home. That will be a huge litmus test wow. for how their season is going to play. Out. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Memphis. So this team
0: has. Not as far – like, as far as talent level goes, coming back production-wise, one of the lowest we've seen with with the potential to be the best, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just offense is coming in really pretty much right at 60%. Defense is coming in just above 70% uh, as far as the production value goes. Grant Gunnell is someone I wanted to highlight. Actually, he's ranked – in 2019 as a quarterback in the recruiting class, he was ranked the 15th pro stock quarterback in the nation. Um, and he, he transferred in. So that's – you've got yourself your quarterback, right? Like – and this, this it just goes to show this the potential this conference has. With already we mentioned uh, Tune, we we have Ritter, and now you have um, uh, uh, Gunnell as well. And Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, yeah, and Gabriel. So that's that's four really talented quarterbacks mm-hmm. coming in um, that can potentially turn the tide. And their strength of schedule is very, very, very good for this team. Um, I do think that this is the team, in my opinion, to watch if Cincinnati stumbles a little bit in conference. Memphis is going to be right on their heels. Um, they're probably going to win maybe just, just just shy of nine games, maybe a little under. Um, but I think that's a good gauge for them, right? That's a good bar. Nine wins, solid bowl game. That's a hell of a season for Memphis.
1: Yeah, Memphis doesn't play Cincinnati in the regular season this year, so that helps their cause quite yeah. a bit. They get SMU at home. Now they're at UCF. Hmm. And, and again, remember, I, you know, I mentioned that University of Texas-San Antonio game week four. Mm-hmm. Uh, our numbers have them going 10-2. and two. The, You, you talked about uh, Grant Gunnell. That's the second quarterback now we've talked about who transferred this year right. out of Arizona. Yeah, Arizona is in trouble, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and people are just bailing out of there left and right. right. The question is, and you hit on it perfectly, um, the, the quarterback from last year, Brady White, was an outstanding talent. He he is their program leader, four thousand and fourteen passing yards in his career mm-hmm. at Memphis. That's a huge, massive hole to fill. Yeah. Gannell has the upside and the talent. Mm-hmm. Wide receiver Calvin Austin, the third, will 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 be has relied good. on heavily. Yeah, yeah no. absolutely. So we've got a move
0: And real quick tidbit on, on Memphis as far as the recruiting class goes again. So in 2020, they had the second-best class in the conference just behind uh, Cincinnati. In 2021, they also had the second-best class behind Cincinnati. So those recruits are starting to play now. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the year, I think, if, you, if they're going to step up and develop, this is the time for Memphis for yep. sure.
1: Oh, I think it's a 10-1 season, for them, mm-hmm. especially with the week schedule. That they absolutely.
0: Have. Uh, Navy, so – Everybody, I I know we hit this again. It's not boring football. It's just triple option because that's the talent they have, right? Um, Navy is a very good team led by a very good linebacker, Diego. Yeah, and then as far as their defensive – the the talent talent coming back is solid. Um, I like their defense a lot. I really do – this team doesn't just see the triple option every week in scout practice. No, they actually run other offenses. Uh-huh. Gives them a chance to play. Though this defense will definitely go as Diego goes. Um and then their but their strength of schedule is the hardest. Yeah. Not but take away the team the commander-in-chief trophy. You know, they play Army and Air Force, um, which are two very good teams too. They also have to play, they have to play, I think they play Cincy. They do? And then they play UCF.
1: Yep, they yep, do. Yep. and Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. So, good luck, boys. I'm I'm really rooting for you. That is a tough schedule, absolutely. Um, The the strength is on the defense. Ton of turnover on offense. You have a new quarterback, sophomore, Xavier Arline. Mm -hmm. Now, you have three seniors in the backfield in that triple option set. So, for those who are uninitiated into kind of how the triple option works, the quarterback is going to make a ton of decisions. They have to uh, sort of draw in the defensive player, pitch the ball on time, you know, and so, uh, you know, I think you're probably at least early on going to see a lot of fumbles uh, from Navy air force is probably going to take advantage of that Houston. They play on the road week three uh, and, and start off the season with Marshall. It's a, it's a tall task for Ken Niamatololo who is truly an outstanding coach uh, but in year 14, and they just went 3-7 and seven last year, I think this one's going to be a tough go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And real quick, just to dive into that, how the triple option works. So the quarterback has
1: uh,
0: two reads right away, right? The first one is the fullback. So if you picture – people, if you picture what a wishbone looks like from a chicken or a turkey, that's, that's the style of – that's what it looks like. So um, – You'll have a running back on both both sides of the ball. You'll have t- it's a two tight end set, so you'll have a running back motioning. If they're motioning left, they're usually going left. If they motion right, then they're mo- usually going right, and they always play to the wide side of the field. The quarterback, his first read is the interior defensive lineman because the guard doesn't block him. He they want to suck him in. Mm-hmm. If he makes the read and he comes in first, then he doesn't give the ball to the fullback, and then he goes outside with it. Mm-hmm. And then the linebackers at that point because the guard hits the linebacker. So you're basically leaving a defensive which is kind of scary in the sense you're leaving him unblocked because he has to make the decision. Am I in the quarterback or am I going to go after the fullback? Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of dictates how the play will work. And then the quarterback will bounce out. Say say he doesn't give it the fullback. He goes you know, around the outside with the motioning running back kind of about, you know, maybe like five to six yards away from him at all times. And it's really, really pretty how it's just kind of a dance as they they mm-hmm. move up the field. And then his next read is the defensive end. Who was also unblocked by the tight end because the tight end goes to the safety. So the defensive end either makes the the choice, running back or quarterback. Usually you're taught to hit the quarterback, mm-hmm. but, but then you pitch. If your receiver's doing his job, you already have an odd man rush because your tight end took out the safety. Your receiver has a corner. There's no one left to account for the running back. So that's why this, this system works, because you're always playing an advantage to the offense as far as there's not enough people to block, really. Um, so just quick tidbit on how the triple option works. So now next time you watch the Army-Navy game, you kind of have an understanding of what's yeah. going on. Um, and moving in, SMU. So uh, head coach, Sonny Dykes, coming into year four. Ulysses Bentley uh, is an all-AAC running back that we did highlight. The kid's a monster. I love running backs like this. Shifty, quick. Um, has that second gear once he hits the second level. Um, also led by Hayden Howerton, um, who's, who was their captain last year on the O-line. Um, kid's a mauler, man. He's just a big – he's a Mack truck. As far as their strength of schedule goes, for SMU, having it rated sixth, I think that's kind of a cupcake schedule for them, what they've been, right? Mm-hmm. Like, as far as the talent coming back, though, it might not be
1: this year, right? just under Just under 60% on both sides of the ball. Yeah, you remember they always have the rivalry game with TCU, and you you and I are both pretty bullish and high on yeah, TCU yeah. this year, so that's gonna be that's gonna be tough. Uh, I wanted to focus in. Well, you've got Blake Mazza, the kicker, who's mm-hmm. actually one of the better kickers in the country. Can make him from 55? Yeah, yeah. But I what I wanted to focus in on was the quarterback situation. I mentioned earlier Shane Bouchelle moves on, and in comes grad transfer junior Tanner Mordecai. From Oklahoma, Oklahoma. yeah. So you have another situation where kind of a a little more senior guy, four-star recruit coming from a big-time program. Mm -hmm. Can he make some waves? Um, So it'll be interesting to see. Our numbers have SMU going 8-4. Okay. Uh, They get at the end of the season at Memphis, UCF at home, and at Cincinnati. We have them losing that three-game stretch. And then the game week four at TCU. Yeah. Mordecai coming in from Oklahoma is just going to show you how the the Jalen
0: Hurts effect and then Spencer Rattler effect. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's not a bad thing for schools like SMU that can benefit from it. You know what I mean? It's definitely a bad. Absolutely. It's not a bad thing for Oklahoma. Well,
1: Shane Bouchelle came in from Texas. Mm-hmm. You know because Ellinger came along and kind of pushed Bouchelle out. Right. But Bouchelle was an outstanding quarterback. Absolutely. Uh, moving in,
0: uh, moving on. South Florida Bulls. Uh, Jeff Scott coming in his second year. Uh, I'm not really expecting too much. This team is very, has a very, very tough schedule with not enough talent really kind of around them. Um, it's just one of those things where they benefit from the conference that they're in. Use really good. I do love their color schemes, not going to lie. Uh, but that's really the only thing I like about this team, honestly, outside of Demetrius Harris and their colors.
1: Yeah, going to be a tough season for South Florida. We have, if I can find it here, yeah. South Florida, 4-8.
0: Going to be a tough go this year. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, then uh, Temple Owls. Uh, so uh, Coach Rod Carey coming into his third year. They really didn't, as far as offensive production, they there was once upon a time where Temple was in the, the conference championship game, right? Mm-hmm. Not too long ago. And they were rated pretty high, too. Uh, the second schedule, that that won't be the case this year, unfortunately, though, like I said. Just the offensive production and defense production isn't there. Coming in under, way under 50% is, is what we have. Uh, Jaden Blue is someone to keep an eye on, and then they have three really good linemen, Nice, Klein, and Perez. Um, so... You know, maybe they can do some things on offense for the running back and get one of them, you know, kind of their name and lights on a, on a, on a Sunday. But as far as really what to expect out of Temple, I'm saying, I'm just going you know, say it's probably a four, maybe five win team.
1: Yeah. So it's actually really interesting. They, they have, I mean, unquestionably um, probably the best offensive line in the conference. <laughs> right. And then outside, I mean, they've got Jaden Blue, but. No talent or returning talent at quarterback. They really don't have a lot of weapons on offense. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to be a tough, a tougher schedule, like you mentioned, for them. We have them finishing 2-10. Oh, wow.
0: Way higher. Way lower than I thought. Eh? Tulane Green Wave coming in um, next. Uh, Will Fritz coming in his sixth year. Cameron Carroll and uh, is someone we highlighted. He's on all-AAC first team. And then so is Sincere Hainsworth and Nick Anderson. Linebacker Dorian Williams. Uh, Anderson Williams can make it up that really, probably the best returning linebackers in the in the conference, Ooh. as far as the tandem goes. Um both are really, really good. Uh, their strength of schedule though, isn't good as far as that experienced front, probably front four. I think then um, then they have a a new freshman coming in, uh, Michael Pratt. So I don't know. I'm not expecting much from Tulane unfortunately.
1: Freshman quarterback, two freshmen and one sophomore on the offensive line. Yeah, and the second toughest schedule in the conference. Uh, they've been going. They went seven and six in 2019, six and six last year. Uh, little regression. We've got them going four and eight. And
0: then uh, Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. Uh, they have Davis Brim. Uh, so. Someone, I'm um, Tyson. I want Tyson to dive into that one. He knows a little bit more about Tyson or uh, Davis than I do, as far as the the transfer coming in. Off AC first team, Keelan Stokes, and then there's strength of schedule. Um, for for Tulsa being, I mean, a, a team that would struggle to win one game a year, I think, quite the turnaround for sure. Uh, Philip Montgomery has them, you know, he's figured out their culture. He really has. I, I like what they're doing out there. I just don't think it's enough to ever really, uh, maybe in the next two years, probably not win the American, um, which is unfortunate because you want to see a team like Tulsa actually get to the game. You know what I mean? I think that would be really cool for them.
1: Yeah, Tulsa on the rise. Um you, like you mentioned, uh, new uh, junior quarterback Davis Brin. Mm-hmm. Uh they have a little bit of a tougher schedule. Yeah. They play at Oklahoma State week two, cool. at Ohio State week three, later in the season at Cincinnati and at SMU. Uh, we have numbers we have them going seven and five.
0: And the Okie State game is that a rivalry game for them? No. Okay. No. They probably don't look at it like that. I mean, that.
1: they're both Oklahoma schools. But, yeah. Uh, I wasn't sure, and
0: then UCF. Uh, so Gus Malzahn coming to his first year um, has UCF. He kind of inherited a really good team, uh, especially with Dylan Gabriel. When you have your quarterback, it makes things a hell of a lot easier. Mm. Their strength of schedule is very, very for, uh, favorable for them as well. You just you just wonder if Gus can learn from his mistakes at Auburn <laughs> and come into UCF with an inherited team and actually build upon it. You know what I mean? Like, so they already—it seems like they already have the culture, but every time you have a new coach, they want to establish their culture. I just don't think that UCF
1: would—I just don't—I just don't understand the hire, really. I really don't. Um, as far as, well, he—you know—Gus Malzon's an interesting case. He was a coordinator under Gene Chizik yeah. when Cam Newton and Auburn won the national title, mm-hmm. and then two years—two years later, Gene Chizik got thrown out on his ass. Yeah. Uh, because everybody pretty much believed that they won that championship because of Gus Malzahn. Yeah. Well, Gus Malzahn comes in as, as head coach at Auburn. and I believe he was there maybe four years. Year two, I think they won 10 games, and then they just fell off of a cliff. Yep. And I, I feel like he's been exposed as not the, the superstar coach that people think. But one other thing I just want to mention, we, you know we were talking earlier about how the media has UCF, uh picked ahead of Cincinnati yeah. in the preseason yeah. polls. They have one, count them, one first team all AAC player. One, just one, Dylan <laughs> Gabriel. That's all. And that's not on their yeah. defense. Yeah. And, I mean and they have they have talent on defense. Tremont Morris yeah. Brash is is a good uh, defensive end, but yeah. I'm just saying yeah, they're not terrible, but I'm just saying like the justification to put them ahead of Cincinnati. I just I just don't get it. Uh they're going to be a fun team to watch. Um, and so you know we'll see how that plays out absolutely uh,
0: so kind of wrapping up here uh, we're gonna get into the next conference which is going to be the SEC I want to dive a little bit more into the SEC as far as it being a bigger conference we know a little bit more about that conference for sure um, uh, obviously me being a Georgia fan I know way more than the common fan <laughs> knows about than that I do for <laughs> sure, <yeah. laughs> um, but as far as the conference goes we all know the SEC is at this point, the top dog as far as talented players every year. Oklahoma, yes. Texas, maybe catching up to them, joining the conference. Um, we did highlight that on one of our previous podcasts. I think it was the second or the first week, if you want to go back and listen to that one. So, real quick, we're going to dive into this. I am going to go on a record and I'm going to apologize to all the AM fans out there for my thinking that Alabama. Is gonna win this West handily. I think A and M is gonna beat them. I'm going on record and yeah. saying I think Texas A and M hands Alabama their ass mm-hmm.
1: on October 9th. I'm just gonna say it because uh, well, it's in College Station. It is, and and they, you know, you remember when Florida Dan Mullen rolled in the College Station last year, and they put it was. Remember it was it's COVID, and so we have we have capacity uh, restrictions. They had like 50,000 people in that stadium. It was loud as hell. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. We loved it. Yeah. A&M, congratulations on yeah. that.
0: Yeah, well well done for that. Um, I just think that Miami's – or Bama's going to be too beat up, like, before they go into A&M. So they play – this is Alabama's schedule. Miami, Mercer, at Florida, Southern Miss, Ole Miss, and then they're at Texas A&M. That is a meat grinder of a stretch. Say what you want about Mercer and Southern Miss. Yeah, they're, those are two bye weeks, basically. But don't 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 tell me that Ole Miss Ole Miss took him to the brink. That's right. A yeah, while man, ago. Lane Kiffin's doing things there. And they're at Florida. That's going to the swamp was no easy place to play at. I don't think Florida's gonna be I, I think they might be like an eight seven, eight win team. I don't think they're gonna be yeah, no, I don't think no, they're gonna touch the East.
1: Yeah, no they more Kyle lost, Trash, no more Kyle Pitts. They lost a ton on offense. They just lost too much talent. But
0: I think the Miami game Leading up to the to that like starting off, yes, I'm not ex- I'm expecting Bama to beat him by thirty, right? Like I'm not I'm just thinking though that okay, tough game, easy tough, easy tough tough. Like yeah. it just I'm going off of the pure like Nick Saban is the greatest coach, right? He's gonna have them ready for that, but I just think that right now there's just something about Bama that doesn't add up as far as mm-hmm. their returning talent. And well, I'm, it's a
1: ton of turn they have a ton of talent. Yeah. But but there's also uh, a a culture and consistency and, mm-hmm. a, and and integration that needs to occur. Absolutely. Uh, and you can only turn over the mill so many times. Right. Uh, Texas A&M. We the numbers have them as the sixth best team total talent ranking in uh, in the country. Yeah. So that's I mean they're a very good team. They are an outstanding team. They they would probably be in the top three if they could ever resolve their freaking quarterback uh, competition You're here. But, right. But anyways, uh, a couple, some of the other games we're keeping an eye on. Uh, September 18th, Auburn plays at Penn State. Mm. Year one for Brian Harson at Auburn. Yep. That one's going to be interesting. Um, James Franklin and Penn State coming off of a really poor season last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sean Clifford is back. That one will be interesting. And then, uh, you know, one I certainly got my eye on is uh, in Denver uh, at Mile High, Texas A&M against Colorado oh, on September
0: 11th. Yeah, I said that was a
1: loss. Totally lied.
0: <laughs> There's another quick game, though. Vanderbilt comes to Colorado State. And that'll be really cool uh, to see. get a chance to see Vandy take on. You know, I'm expecting that to be a, a good game for Vandy and, and both CSU. Uh, I think Vandy's going to roll him, but. Um, oh, movie. I don't know about that. I think the
1: numbers have Colorado State winning that. Really? Vandy is in a mess. They yeah. They are a complete mess. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, so, as far as the media polls, Georgia is winning East Hanley, which is amazing. I love my dogs. Uh, they have Alabama winning the West probably by one win because Texas A&M is their only loss, I'm sure. Or yeah, Alabama Hansack saying I'm their only loss, more than likely. Um, LSU can be streaky good and old miss with with Corral, I think, is one of those other teams to, to keep an eye on. The West is very good this year. The
1: West um, is very good. It's yeah. pretty much Georgia in the East. Yeah. And then like four or five teams in the West.
0: Yeah. Like no one else
1: in the East is really gonna be. Yeah, tough. I'm not
0: expecting I mean a lot of people are trying to get me sold on Missouri. I just don't think the talent's quite there. Hmm. Um what we have is Georgia finishing twelve and L. so Beating Clemson, which is good, and then Florida going nine and three. Texas A&M going, uh, winning the winning the West, beating Bama, and then finishing seven and one. though, um, and then Bama going seven and one, but their only loss would be to A&M because of the tiebreaker. So,
1: yeah, moving. the numbers have uh, A&M winning that game at home uh, mm-hmm. with with Alabama, and yeah. then losing uh, the last week of the season against LSU. Yeah.
0: And LSU can be a sneaky good team. I think is going to start off
1: 4-0. They're bouncing back yeah. strong. Last year was a real embarrassment for them, but yeah. you said 4-0. I mean, they start off the season at UCLA is a win. McNeese State's a win. Central mm-hmm. Michigan's a win. At Mississippi State, yeah. really, I think you're right. Yeah, they start 4-0. Yeah. Uh, Matt Corral
0: is the offensive player of the year for the media that they're kind of going for. Um, kind of shocking to me. I really – I've always been in the mindset. Uh, John Rice Plumlee was a better quarterback than Matt Corral, but he – Obviously, Lane Kiffin knows a little bit more than I do, um, as far as who he wants playing his his, his under center. Um, John Rice probably got moved to receiver, which I think is good for him. He's just a burner. He's a really good mm-hmm. dual threat. He took Bama to the brink one year, though. That's why I really like him. I think that. Bama struggles against running quarterbacks. Um, so, yeah, Matt Corral is who the media just absolutely is in love with as far as the quarterback going for the Offensive Play of the Year. Second, we, we've highlighted JT Daniels from Georgia, not because of the Georgia bias, just because he's very, very good. His four games he threw for – he had uh, just a, just a, about and around 70% completion rate, 1,200 yards, 10 TDs, and only two interceptions. He didn't take 10 sacks, though. The O-line is going to be one of the concerns for Georgia. It's very inexperienced coming back. Um, can it do enough? Can Zamir White have a bounce back year? Um, as far as coming, because mentally it takes two years to recover from an ACL. Right. They did that two years ago, and then they all sit there just stacked a running back. But then that should help JT Daniels. And then Aniah Smith from Texas A&M is who our dark horse is for possibly winning it. Um, coming in with he's just kind of an athlete, isn't yeah. he? Just an all around athlete. They kind of move him all around. Oh, over they the field. do
1: move him around a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean him. I mean the, the talent again, I'll reiterate, if Texas a could figure out their quarterback competition here right. and decide on a quarterback, the talent they have with Anaya Smith, Isaiah Spiller, I mean, they've got some outstanding talent on offense, in addition to the number 23 defense in the country. I mean, yeah. they are a very, very, very solid football team. And, it, you know, I i feel it personally, because Colorado <laughs> is still deciding between JT and Brandon Lewis right yeah, now. Yeah. And, and here we are, two and a half, three weeks from the start of the season. It's like, would you pick? A leader here, like Please. let's go. Yeah. And so there's a handful of teams that are in that position. Obviously Texas A&M is, and and so.
0: So that would be the one thing that maybe slows them down then you think, right? If they pick the wrong one.
1: Well, I Jimbo Fisher is a good coach, so I don't think he's going to make a stupid decision. Mm. But like, my one of my worries with Colorado is that they may end up saying like, "Well, we'll split time and we'll do a package for them and that just never works. It's a bad idea. And so, but uh, but yeah. Uh, Matt Corral, the number 13 offense in the country. Jerion Ealy is an outstanding athlete. Uh, when you – I think the worry, though, and to your point about John Rice Plumley, is last year, yeah, Matt Corral threw a ton of yards uh, and the 29 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's you, – you can't tr- – You have to be able to trust your quarterback to take care of the ball, make the best decision, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Throw it away. If it needs to be thrown away. I I agree with you. I think JT Daniels is really, really set up to have an outstanding season. Mm -hmm. They have the number seven offense in the country, Uh, you know? And so it's ultimately two of their top three uh, wide receiver targets come back. Ultimately, like you said, and you would know certainly better than me, but I think the offensive line, if they can get continuity going there.
0: Yeah, there's been some struggle in camp for sure, uh, but they had a really good – the spring camp was a struggle, but the fall camp, I guess, a lot of them have been coming together and they figured out kind of who and where to play. Oh, good. Um, Which is good. Um, As far as defense play of the year goes, um, Derek Stingley, we we highlighted him earlier, uh, talking about corners. Uh, Probably, if not the best corner in the nation – Top five, right? Like, yeah, he has a really good argument. LSU is pretty much DBU, man. They they produce corners and second and safeties like they're going out of style. Um, kid has 38 tackles, six interceptions. He'll come up, play the run. Very, very hard-nosed uh, playing corner. Knows kind of really where to be at all times, which is I uh, can't credit. That's just awareness. You can't teach that in a lot of players. Uh, moving on, you'll have Christian Harris from Alabama, the linebacker. If Alabama's going to be the team that does stuff Texas A&M, it's going to be starting with with uh, Christian Harris for sure. They also, I mean, it's also Alabama. Like, there's telling all over the field yeah. on board him. Um, and then our second dark horse is DeMarvin Leal from Texas AM. Uh, kids, he's just a clog. I just call him a, a nose clogger, man. Yeah. He plays middle of, the, middle of the D line. Not, like, huge. Like, if you picture him, you're like, there's no way area D tackle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's just, he's a very lengthy. But the kid can't really be moved. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's cool to see him work. Um, and then uh, I want to probably – I just want to say Derek Singly is more than likely going to win this. Like, he should. If he if he comes down with four or five picks, yeah,
1: it's his. Well, and you were talking about, I mean, he's almost certainly a top five draft yeah. pick oh, yeah. in the NFL draft. He should be.
0: I mean, it depends on – obviously, yeah, who's picking where and stuff like that. But right. it, he's definitely a top ten player.
1: Um, on the LSU defense, also two uh, second-team All-SEC uh, defensive back Elias Ricks and defensive lineman Ali Gay. Mm. Uh, they're they're gonna they're gonna have some distribution of tackles and stuff like I talked about with Landman as well. The difference for Stingley is the interceptions. He had six of them in 2019. Mm-hmm. A little regression last year, but he's an outstanding talent. Did you know? Moving on to the, the Christian Harris conversation. Did you know? All three. Of the first team, all SEC linebackers are are Alabama. Linebackers. <laughs> no. Yeah, Henry Totoa transferred from uh, Tennessee uh, yeah. this offseason yeah. to Alabama, yeah. and so now, yeah, between Christian Harris, Henry Totoa, and Will Anderson, they have all three first team all SEC linebackers. Wow. So that they're they're a very outstanding defense. Uh, we our numbers have them at 13th best defense of the country. Mm. DeMarvin, De, uh, DeMarvin Leal is outstanding, I think, just because. Um of the position that he plays and his ability to get sacks, he may have a good shot at this defensive player of the year. Yeah.
0: Um and then so we'll just start off going into the conference outlook as far as teams go. So Alabama Crimson Tide, next Saban coming into his forty eighth year. It was not not really. <laughs> his his fourteenth year coming in. Um has never had I think he's never had a, a season where it's been under under ten wins, right? It's always been ten. Like that's the mm. mark. I don't know I the answer to that.
1: Maybe early on, when he first got there. Maybe. But they've won what in his 14 years they've won what six titles. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like almost every other year they win the much. national title.
0: Pretty much. Um, so yeah, there's Too many players to really name, but we're going to name them all. So John Michi, this is all SEC first team players: Evan Neal, John Michi, Mathis, Henry Totoa, Christian Harris, Will Anderson, Josh Shelby, McCly- Malachi Moore. The thing that will make Alabama vulnerable, though. They lost a shitload of talent on that offense. Yeah. Like they're coming back as far as their production goes, mm-hmm. um, and they really haven't had those receivers. Like if you think about like the Jerry Judy's, the Jalen Waddles, they this year I'm interested to see what receiver kind of steps up. Like as far as uh, is it Michi? Is he going to be the they're next coming? It's Michi, yeah, throwing the ball. He got voted. I mean, he got voted all SEC first team, and right. I don't really think he. I don't think that was deserving. Yeah. I really don't. That, yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah. But and this isn't a Bama bash podcast. This is just us giving our opinion based on what we've seen. Um, their strength of schedule. I mean, the, the, we also are all saying Bama is probably still one of the best teams in the world. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're a very good team, and they reload every year. It's just this year they're the they're the most beatable. I think I've seen them be. You know what I mean? Like in I'm not a, expecting yeah, them in to a be.
1: while. Yeah, our numbers have them losing uh, that game in the middle of the season at Texas A&M, winning the rest 11-1, and 1, uh, but because of a tie-break, they will miss out on the SEC Conference Championship game, Yeah, finish 11-1. and 1. They could sneak in the back door of the playoff at 11-1, and 1, though. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I totally agree. Bryce Young is the is the question mark, uh, so we're going to find out, but they are stacked, stacked, stacked on yeah.
0: defense. rightfully so. They recruit... Top three, top two in the nation every single year. Uh, moving on, Arkansas, a team that I think could be a sneaky good team. They really do. I think they're a solid team. Sam Pittman has them kind of going on the on the right track. They have some good players. Traylon Burks, always to see first team. Uh, Grant Morgan and KJ Jefferson. KJ Jefferson, I think they found. Uh, I think they finally found their guy. Um, he's not a bad not a bad quarterback in a league or a conference full of quarterbacks. Um, but the, the one thing that I think will keep them from maybe going versus you know from from five wins to six, maybe even seven wins, is their strength of schedule. It's it's a it's a meat grinder, man. Oh. It's fucking brutal.
1: Oh, I think it's uh, it might be the toughest strength of schedule in the country. Yeah. Uh, they play Texas in the non-conference. They get Texas A&M, Georgia, mm. at Georgia, at Ole Miss, Auburn, at LSU, at Alabama to the last 3 games of the season. I agree with you that
0: wins,
1: yeah. Sam Pittman is a a good coach and I think he's doing a good job building the culture there. But, you know, they went 2 and 10 in 2019, 3 and 7 last year. I our numbers have them 3 and 9. Yeah. And then moving on here, uh Auburn
0: Tigers, so coach Brian Harrison or Harrison in this first year um, really not, not bad as far as talent wise on the production wise goes. Bo Nix, though, I think his is really kind of struggled to be that guy that they they brought him in to be mm-hmm. a four four star recruit. I actually think he might have been a five star in rivals. Um, was definitely the, I think he was the nation's third or fourth best dual threat quarterback coming in. Um, had a lot of talent, a lot of potential. He's definitely been beaten up for sure. That o line is just not where it needs to be. But he also does extend plays a little bit too much, holds on the ball a little bit too much. You'd like to see him kind of tone that down a little bit. Um, the second schedule is also pretty brutal for Auburn. I don't, I'm don't, i not expecting them to kind of come out of the, of the West, honestly, I think. This will be a, just a test year, you know what I mean, to figure out just really who this team is moving forward for the next three, four years.
1: Yeah, they're, they're, they've got a ton of talent. You're right. The offensive line is a question outside mm-hmm. of the center, Nick Brahms. Bo Nix, I agree. I I think he's just not – they want him to be what he can't be. Yeah. And so um, they play Penn State, we talked about, at Penn State week three in Mm -hmm. the uh, non-conference. The numbers have them going eight and four in Brian Harsin's uh, first campaign.
0: Moving on to the Florida Gators. So Coach Dan Mullen coming into his fourth year. Um, as far as their offensive production coming back, losing Kyle Trask and Pitts is pretty much 100% of your offense, but they do have just <laughs> under 50% coming back. Their defense is still pretty strong, though, not going to lie. Then um, they always get up for big games, really. Like the Georgia-Florida game, they're gonna. it doesn't matter if they have a one-win on the season, they're going to do everything they can to make that their second win. Um, their strength of schedule is very, very favorable for them. Can Emory Jones be... The guy as advertised a Former four-star quarterback no. coming in. I don't see it either, no. I, but I, and I'm really not trying to be biased. I just don't think he's he's that good. I, I haven't seen it.
1: Well, you're going from Kyle Trask, a guy who set the school record, 4,283 yards passing in his career, to a guy, Emery Jones, who is a run-first quarterback. Yeah. I mean, in his career, he only has 613 passing yards. Yeah. You know, So that's going to be difficult. And on top of that, we talked about Kyle Pitts leaving uh the returning production they're number 108th in the country in returning production wow there's going to be a ton of drop off on offense um so the the numbers have them going 9 and 3 though cuz they have one of the easier schedules in the conference right
0: and then moving on here my dogs coach Kirby Stark coming in as year 6 uh all-first team is uh, so Jordan Davis uh and then Jake Kamara the punter should be a little bit more. I think a couple of them got snubbed. They were on the second team. But JT Daniels, Zemir Y, George Pickens. George Pickens is actually hurt. He tore his ACL. Um, he did that in spring. But the rumor is he's actually on track to come back by, I think, it's either week three or four of this year. So keep an eye on that for sure. And then you also have Trey Burton. Um, and then you have uh, Brock Bowers, the tight end. That uh, Just a lot of offensive talent. The offense is definitely going to go as JT Daniels goes. We finally have our quarterback. Um his ability to be very accurate is decision-making with the ball. And he also trusts his receivers to go up and make the play. So there's going to be a – I think you're going to see a shift from the traditional run-heavy Georgia offense to a shotgun, more vertical, more more opening pass lanes, more vertical offense, move the ball down the field, score in bunches. um, And then your defense is going to be playing with the lead, which – you know, Jordan Davis, is that's what he excels at. Their strength of schedule, though, for them is very easy, but it's just because they're in the East, and the East is kind of a down year for them. Mm-hmm. Usually in the past it's been, I'd say, like probably fifth or sixth toughest mm-hmm. as far as teams in the conference. Um, but, yeah, keep an eye on Missouri. They're, they're a sneaky good team, I think, um, and they probably will give them fits. But, really, if if all goes well, Georgia should be – at least in the SEC title game by by season end. The, you'll, you'll see them play Clemson the first week, and that's a, that's a big litmus test for them.
1: Yeah, the George Pickens injury is troublesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you would know better than I do if they have the weapons outside of him to be able to keep it afloat. I mean, he
0: was listed as a top 10 pick, so it's like you can't really ever replace yeah, that's that. It, that's y- the problem. You just hope to replenish... I mean, eighty percent of what that was.
1: Right. So yeah, for sure. But well, so week one. So for Georgia, I think it really comes down to week one. You got the game against Clemson. Mm-hmm. If they win that, our numbers have them going undefeated. Yeah. So that that, you know, later in the season, probably your next toughest game you have at Auburn, in week. Six. Yeah. But you talk about Florida, Missouri, probably the two other best teams in the East. Florida, they Georgia. get them both at home.
0: And don't count. I don't know if they play. I think they play Kentucky too. Don't
1: count Kentucky on Kentucky at home. Yeah. All three of those in a row yeah. at home. I think the schedule shapes up really nicely for Georgia. Yeah. Hopefully Kirby Smart's got them ready. Hopefully. Uh, and our numbers. Our numbers have them beating Clemson, going twelve and zero into the SEC championship.
0: And another little tidbit about Georgia: they've been up every single time they played Bama at half. It's just. They come out, and it's been been like 17 or 20 points, right? Mm -hmm. It just goes to show you how good Nick Saban is. And they were up on Florida last year, 14-0 in the half. And then they came out, and they just laid an egg. You're like, what happened? So Kirby Snart needs to figure out how to figure out those halftime adjustments. Uh, Moving on, Kentucky Wildcats, we just mentioned them a little bit. Uh, Team that can actually get – they have uh, Joey Gatewood coming in from Auburn, uh, which is a really good quarterback for them because they lost their quarterback. He transferred out. Um, I can't remember. Yes, yes,
1: Wilson. He went yeah. to New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but so. This is off, an, upgrade. That's yes, an upgrade.
0: Yes, yes, for sure. Um, and, and their their defense and offense is kind of right on par as far as their production coming back. Kentucky's been a solid team. They really have. They just haven't had a couple bounces go their way. And they've been up on some really good teams. Um, and Darian Kennard is, I think, probably potentially maybe a first-round pick. Uh, maybe maybe early second. Uh, kid's a road grader. And then you have Chris Rodriguez Jr., who's a really good running back for them as well. But their schedule is just kind of one of those things where it's going to play in their favor
1: as being a pretty potentially bowl-win team. Yeah, they they have the weakest schedule in the SEC. Yeah. Um, some of the tougher games they have, they've got Florida at home, LSU at home. They do play at Georgia, mm. so that's just a one-off. They're getting stomped on that. But pretty much outside of that, those are the three tougher games. Uh, they don't return a ton of production on offense or defense. Mm-hmm. But uh, but the line is strong. The upgrade at quarterback and Mark Stoops is, is a pretty good coach. You know, the numbers have him go on eight and four.
0: Yeah. Uh, LSU Tigers, Ed O'Dron coming in year five. Go Tigers. That's what I like to go say. Tigers. <laughs> uh, their offense is coming back as far as production. Really, really good. Uh, just under 90%. Um and then Derek Stingley, we've highlighted him. So yeah, their their quarterbacks. Situation is kind of one of, it's very concerning. Can they can they re- rebound from you know obviously Joe Burrow? No, but can they find the next best thing? I think so, but I, it's just one of those things where who's it going to be? So
1: yeah, last year they, they tried uh, Miles Brennan. See, I, I think a lot of people uh, are uh, could be distracted or confused about the five and five season last year. They had a ton of opt outs and a ton of talent that went to the NFL. But Miles Brennan was quarterback last year. In comes uh, sophomore Max Johnson this year. He played the last five games of the 2020 season. Passed for 1,069 yards, eight touchdowns. Importantly, only one interception. Wow. He's a bit of a run threat, and uh, to your point, they returned the number 30 most uh, production on offensive defense in the country. LSU is going to be strong, and our numbers have them finishing 9-3 uh, and three with kind of a middle-of-the-road schedule. Mm.
0: And then Ole Miss. I uh, just talked about Matt Corral. We we I probably to dive too much into Ole Miss outside of their strength. The schedule being fifth. They've um, got really some you know Corral's coming back. Got voted all first team SEC. I don't think that's deserving at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> especially I just don't. Lane Kiffin is. This is kind of a, one of those prove it years for him. I think he's really got he's really got to step up. Can he beat Can he beat them? Can he beat a And M? Can he compete with them? I think the answer is probably no.
1: But what do I know? So. Yeah, they return number 22 most production in the country, mm. uh, but they have that fifth toughest schedule in the SEC. Right. right out of the gate, first game against Louisville. That's a winnable game at home. If they win that, then they're on the right track. If they lose that, then it could be a dumpster fire as the season plays out. Right. Our numbers have them going 8-4. and four.
0: And then Mississippi State Bulldogs, so returning uh, a lot more talent on the defense, just under 90%. Uh, quarterback competition uh, so far from what we heard is Ro is Rogers or Jake Abraham. I uh, haven't heard anything else. If you heard anything, definitely hit us up in our mailbag or on Twitter letting us know. Their strength of schedule is second in the conference. I'm not expecting these guys to make a bowl game. Really not. I think they might be lucky to get three, maybe four wins on the season just because of how hard the West is.
1: Yeah our numbers have them going five and seven. Yeah. This is another team, like I talked about, uh, with Texas A&M and Colorado, where they still, for whatever reason, they still have this quarterback competition going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will Rogers played the last five games of the season last year for uh, Mississippi State. Passed r- roughly 70% completion percentage, but 11 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. That's really, really ugly. Yeah. Uh, you said Jack Abraham. He, he's a grad transfer from Southern Miss. So... That's an interesting situation, too, because he only played the first five games of the season, and then he opted out in kind of a weird way after a concussion. It didn't, to save his
0: eligibility. Yeah, it yeah.
1: didn't have anything, but they but they granted an extra year. Mm. You know what I mean? Because of COVID. Yeah. And his opt-out didn't have anything to do with COVID. Just really interesting. Mike Leach, I think, is a is a really good coach. Yeah. But, man, the SEC is a really good conference. <laughs> yeah. so it's going to be tough for them. we got them going five and seven. And then South Carolina Gay Cox just, just came across. Luke Doty
0: actually just tore um, some ligaments in his ankle. Oh, I saw that on CBS Sports News right as we were talking about this podcast. Don't, his situation is unknown. So Luke Doty coming back, four and a five yards, two TDs, and three interceptions. So I'm not sure if he's going to be the guy to lead them week one. Um, but Kingsley and... and Nigbar is coming in. He's their defensive line off first SEC team, and then so the Gamecocks are a streaky team. I just think with their strength of schedule, I'm not expecting to probably win. And without Doty, they're not winning a game.
1: Yeah, they well number 124th in the country uh, in returning production. I'm just looking up real time right now here. It looks like if Luke Doty's out, uh, then the next uh, quarterback coming in would be. A grad transfer, Jason Brown. Mm.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm
1: not – like I said, I
0: just think that – I mean, it's definitely unfortunate timing. You know, Doty is – was their guy was supposed to be able to get them to at least a bowl game, kind of get them back on, on where they were. I mean, South Carolina back in 2000, like I think seven or eight – with the old ball coach, they
1: were a really good team. Mm-hmm. Like well, so, they, they beat your, your dogs not too multiple long ago.
0: times, yeah, yeah. Oh my but God, yeah. Uh, third third
1: ranked strength of schedule, and our numbers have them going three and nine. Yeah, and then
0: moving on here, we have the Tennessee Volunteers. <laughs> um, so I'm not trying to laugh at them, but I am. This team has – Josh Heifel has got a very tough task, right? This, I think the Volunteers are just a mess. They're just a dumpster fire as far as who's playing where. 35 players transferred out since September 2020. This team just – I'm shocked that they just don't have a bunch of dudes that they walked around the campus and said, hey, man, you're kind of big. You want to play football? Like, like that's really what they might have had to come down to. Um, so, yeah, as far as the things, schedule goes eighth. This this is the probably a team – the big orange might struggle to win maybe two games.
1: Yeah. They, this team more so than any other got pilfered by the transfer portal. Uh, I already mentioned that Henry Toa Toa. I mean, he's a first team all sec linebacker. You lose him to Alabama. They're running back. Eric Gray goes to Oklahoma. Uh, you know, he's a solid running back. Oklahoma kind of reloads with that. Yeah, uh, Jeremy Pruitt, it was just a disaster at Tennessee. So bad. He's really leaving the program in terrible shape. Only a, uh, they're ranked 117th in returning production. Josh Heupel has definitely got his work cut out for him here. Our numbers have them uh, with with a kind of middle of the road schedule, going six and six on the high end. Um, there's they could certainly go five and five or four eight on the low end.
0: Text AM Aggies, I do owe you fans an apology because I'm on the bandwagon. For AM winning the West, I think that you're gonna if if all goes to plan, which is what I want, I want AM playing my dogs in the FC title game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I think that would be amazing for you guys. Um Isaiah Spiller's coming back, all at first teammates to see. Um, the quarterback situation is a little concerning, though. So one, if you guys are able to find a player that can hand the ball off really well to Spiller, awesome. You
1: know what <laughs> what <I mean? laughs> We're nice. <then.
0: laughs> or even hit, what is it, Wiedemeyer? Uh-huh. I think it's a really good tight end. Yeah, Jalen Yeah. So he, if you hit him, just possession, move the chains, control the clock, manage the game, keep Bama's offense, which is the weakness kind of off the field you're going to – I think you're going to end up winning that game. So, yeah, strength of schedule is very favorable for you at nine. Um, I just think a and is going
1: to win the West. I really do. Well, hey, I think – like, you know, my preference for the Buffs is Brendan Lewis. Mm. Uh, similarly with a and I think Haynes King seems to be the front runner. He's he's just more mobile. He's not quite as good of a pocket passer as Zach Calzada. But, you know, he, he's – I think he's the right fit. And especially if you got a program – where you, you you don't know who your quarterback is and you're still ranked in the top six in the country, mm-hmm. just pick one and let's go. Do you know <laughs> right. what I'm saying? Like like you're we doing damage to the cohesion of your <coughs> of your team yep. by by holding off on that. So, but whatever you know that uh, you know that confuses yeah. me. But we'll see how that plays out. I agree with you, uh, and the numbers agree with you. Uh, Texas A&M 11 and one into the SEC championship game and this is undefeated.
0: And this game. is regardless who their quarterback is, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah,
1: he's not – the quarterback is not even calculated in Yeah, yeah. So. And then uh,
0: Vanderbilt, team that really should probably go independent, but they <laughs> – yeah. for whatever reason, they continue to think they belong in the SEC. And they do. Outside of football, they have very good baseball program, very good basketball program. So, but football-wise, they just need to go independent. Um, Clark Lee is in his first year coming in. Starting the schedule is 13th, but it might as well be number one for these guys. Um they might still. I think they're going to beat CSU. I'd like to actually go see that game. I think that'd be really cool. We to should see. go see that game. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, will, I have the numbers. That have Colorado State winning right. that one. And then, so Cam Johnson is coming back. Ken Seals and Jalen Mahomes. This is a team that we really don't know too much about, as far as, and I think it's safe to say they don't really know too much about themselves. Yeah. The culture. For they don't. It's new. New
1: everything. So new coach. They only return about half of the production on their defense. And this is a team you remember last year, where their greatest highlight from the season was rolling a girl out there to kick a field goal. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and, like, and that created a lot of uh, of contention in the locker room, and yeah. it really, it really led to uh, Derek Mason uh, being fired. Um, it, it wasn't it was ticket sales. It, it wasn't that they were bad. It was that he lost institutional control of the team. Yeah. So whatever, I mean, they got their name in the head headlines for the for uh, the kicker. So. And we're not advocating against
0: females being in the sport. It was just one of those things where it was just like it was clearly a stunt yeah. for tickets. It wasn't. It really wasn't for her at all.
1: Yeah, so this is our last team we're previewing today. Uh, the numbers have Vanderbilt winning week one against East Tennessee State and then winning week five against Connecticut. Uh, but they get Georgia, they get F Florida, Florida. Their uh, Missouri, Kentucky finished the season at Ole Miss. Possibly they could give Tennessee a run at the end of the season, but that's a road game. I think you know Clark Lee has a real significant rebuild on his hands. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be tough.
0: Um, so that that wraps it up for our season or uh, not a season, but our our preview of the conferences. We covered the AAC. We covered the Sun Belt. We covered. Top players in both those leagues. We also cover the SEC in depth a little bit more than the other two conferences, just because of our knowledge based on the SEC mm-hmm. conference. And we're not trying to give you guys, uh, uh, anything that's not backed up by a little bit of facts. It's, you know, we we know the sport pretty well as far as that. So we did dive in a little bit more of the SEC. Um, as far as. What's coming up next week? We have the Big Ten, the MAC Conference USA. We'll talk about that, and actually the football schedule. I think we're just under three weeks away, so I'm yep. very, very, very excited for that. Um, just do only really two more Saturdays until no more, no more college football. Um, and then uh, any anything else to really add outside of um,
1: what we talked about today? No, I think I think it's gonna work out really well. We're uh, we're excited for the season to start. Um, that's uh, August twenty eighth. You got Nebraska at Illinois, uh, and then I think Hawaii UCLA, a couple of the headline games that week.
0: Absolutely. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Again, this is the fan section brought to you by Allen and Tyson. We can't wait to see you guys back here next week.